From KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas, this is Bayou Lands Talks, a companion podcast where we're sharing some of our favorite conversations with a wide range of guests that we've interviewed for the KVLU radio documentary series, Bayou Lands, a program exploring the people and places of Southeast Texas since 2016. On this final day of Black History Month, we're sharing a conversation which aired on the most recent episode of Bayou Land Season 5. An interview from guest contributor Gordon Scott Williams with Willie Knighton, a pioneer in Southeast Texas radio. Known to radio listeners as Willie K., Knighton was a disc jockey on KJET, a sunrise to sunset station that catered to the African American community in the Golden Triangle for more than 20 years. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to more sounds on the side of the WK show. Heavyweight soul, everybody, for the Golden Triangle with the baby, Willie K, the 26-year-old wonder of soul, the ninth one of the world, and the number one wonder in your heart. Hang out there, baby. Let's kind of keep our feathers together. Willie Knighton, thank you for speaking with me for Bayou Lands. How's it going? I'm fine. How about you, Gordon? I'm doing well. You seem pretty comfortable behind this microphone. How does it feel being back in front of a microphone again? Well, really, uh, I don't think I ever left, but it's very comfortable, Jimmy. It's just that I'm much older, and uh, it takes my voice. I've lost the tonality and everything in it, being out of the media for about uh, 45, 45 years. You know, the more you... If I, like a fine athlete, once you get in shape and you stay exercising, everything remains the same. But uh, I, I'm fine with it, very comfortable. So you were originally born in East Texas, and your family moved to the south end of Beaumont at the age of four. You later graduated from Charlton Pollard High School in 1956. Tell me about living in southeast Texas during that time. Living in southeast Texas from the age of uh, four or five, when my mom moved here from East Texas, it's always been a pleasure for me because at that time, it uh, the whole neighborhood raised the kids in the neighborhood. And you were very mattered and you were very obedient because if you did not listen to the lady down the street, Aunt Callie or whoever her name was, then she'd whip you and then you she'd call your mama, tell your mama, then mama go whip you and then your aunties in the neighborhood. Well, everything was an auntie or cousin in the neighborhood. So... It's very proud. I think I had a very good upbringing, and I think that sort of guided me toward being uh, the man and the fellow with the, the attitude that I have toward life. I, I love everything, love everybody, and just go with the flow. Most students in high school would probably have a job at a corner store, but you were actually a DJ at a radio station. How did you get into radio? There was a guy at KJET originated... Uh, I would imagine it was uh, the late uh, 53 of there about, and a guy by the name of Boy Brown. Boy Brown, Sugarthorpe Miller, and uh, Whitney Nelson were the three jocks originally on the station. And Boy Brown was a guy that uh, challenged everybody. There was a thing called Teenagers at the Turntable that went on on Saturday afternoons from 2 to 4. It would be the girls come down, they'd take dedications and uh, announce them on the uh, mic. And so one Saturday, they did not, nobody showed up. I was always there, but the uh, group didn't show up. 
So boy said, hey, it's on you. You think you going you can do it, do it. I said, boy, I never you know, had that ambition. He said, no, you think you're good. Go ahead and do it. So I took the challenge, and uh, from that point forward, uh, it to me it just seemed natural. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys who I'm very quiet to some extent, but then when I would get behind the microphone, it would just bring me to lie, bring me alive. Something like Michael Jackson. He, I know you're familiar with Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson is quiet as he could be. If you don't talk to him, he wouldn't talk to you. But once Michael get on that stage and the music hit, it was on. And, you know, that was basically uh, my thing. For some reason or another, being a jock uh, brought me to life. And I was one way as a jock and very quiet in the other way. So you see yourself as an introvert. But exactly. when it comes I'm to being in front of that microphone, you're a performer. Oh, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. <laughs> Just let it all hang out. That's part one, everybody. General Crook on the Willie K Show. Heavyweight sound. A thing called, come on and give me some. Look out. Mercy, we're going to give you some. We're going to sock the soul in your house. So, to it, we're going to do it. And I just want you to help me. Say, like, uh, give me some more. Tell me about Teenagers at the Turntable. Teenagers at the Turntable, as I said, was a Saturday afternoon show that uh, was on from 2 to 4 uh, on KJET with the high schools. Each high school could come out, you know, have kids out. They would take uh, names and uh, do uh, things on the radio, you know, the dedications on the radio to their friends that was listening. And so it, it went on. Uh, I'm going to say that probably lasted maybe uh, two or three months before it got to the point, whereas it fizzled out and I was sort of uh, pushed in. Not pushed in, but uh, Boy Brown gave me a challenge. And uh, this is when I, uh, and I take challenges, most cases, very seriously. Don't tell me can't do something because I'm going to be out to prove that I can. And that's uh, basically what happened. That went on around 19, late 1953 and 53, the group, a uh, few months after they f fell out. So it became Willie K, teenage disc jockey, Willie K at the turntable on Saturday afternoons. That went on for years. I cannot do the regular shows because of the alcohol. And that was some stipulations by FCC. You had to be a certain age to advertise uh, alcohol on the radio. So when I became uh, 21 years old, uh, it, it, it was on a full-time job. Uh, and I, I was there for a period of about 25 years. Well, starting in high school, I'm sure your coaches and principals and your teachers were listening to you on the radio. So how was that walking down the halls of Charlton Pollard and you also being this radio personality at the same time? I think I got by my teachers. I mean, I think they just, you know, let me go because of the popularity that I had at the uh, school. They didn't push me. I'd go to class, be late for class uh, a lot of times and, you know, they never reprimanded me or anything. So, but now the good part about it was all the little fillies uh, that would be around, and you know they get all all excited, man, and, and that would excite me, get my adrenaline going, and it ended up I ended up being a dad at my senior year in high school because it was just almost highly impossible not to get hit by some bullets that were coming at you. So I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't take advantage of anybody, but uh, I enjoyed the popularity. I am in the 1956 annual of the Bulldogs as the uh, Charlton Pollard uh, teenage disc jockey. A uh, lady by the name of uh, 
Marion. Miss Marion used to call me uh, the 16-year-old wonder. You know, all the teachers had something to say about it. But they were very proud of me, and I got a lot of accolades from all of them, the, especially the English teachers. They were talking about how, you know, my voice had progressed and uh, the diction and the, all of that was there. And, you know, I was only like 15, 16 years old, but uh, it, it just all fell in. I, I guess it was just a gift from God. So the radio performer, the personality, started to come out more in just the everyday life of Willie Knight. Only on the radio, and whenever someone would approach me in the public, you know, you ha it, my, the situation, well, the way it is, if you are outgoing on the radio and you're trying to get your audience roused up, then you cannot be a shut mouth when you're on. you got to be mixed with them when you go out in the public. When I would go out, I, I've always been the same. It, it's... I don't know really how to explain it, but I, I'm anytime that I'm out in the public, among the public, I'm very uh, overt. My wives, and I've had a couple of wives, they all said, the, you're too friendly and, and you know, you don't want to do this. They don't want to hear all that. I said, well, hey, this is my personality and I can't be one way on the radio and expect for them to accept me as uh, a disc jockey. And then when I'm with you, one of uh, the wives, I don't say anything to them. The first thing they would say, well, he talks when he's not with when he's uh, not. He talks when he she's not with him, but now when she's with him, he want to be stuck up. That's not me. I don't care whether you're with me or not. I'm going to be the same. Well, speaking of the radio personality, can you give me a little sample of what I would hear if I was listening to you back in the fifties and sixties oh. on the radio? <laughs> you know, it, it it's one that's one of those situations there that I didn't have an outline. You know, I just had uh, things that would. Uh, Come to me. Soul in motion. Willie K. Showtime. You gotta turn on. But you better turn on to me. Come on, baby. Let's do our things like together. And one of the uh, ones that uh, that I used to say a lot is I can do it without you, but I do it so much better when we do it together. You know, I, I use that little phrase. I throw that out there a lot. And, uh, you know, let's do it. And let's do it K's way. Just, just a whole lot of things with that. If I was on the radio today, I could come alive and uh, you know, we had some music kicking back there. Yeah, I could really get on with it. But you know, it's it just something has to, has to, the music evidently motivated me. It brought me alive. Well, speaking of the music, what would I hear? What would I be listening to? Back then, well, starting in, in the 50s, uh, you would be hearing Marvelette, Diana Ross, can't remember a lot of time what Mar Marvin Gaye came along much later. And then it just evolved where I start to, I basically targeted my age group. And as, as I got older, I pulled the age group that was with me back then. I brought them along with stuff like uh, Betty Wright, uh, Irma Thomas. You had a Gladys Knight and the Temptation. Even I went a little further back than that, which would be before your time. Hank Ballard in the Midnighters, the Five Royals, Lowell Folson, Charles Brown, you know, the music of the Merry Christmas Baby. It's just, it's, it's just awesome. I had the opportunity of meeting all of these artists, but interviewed B.B. King uh, when I was approximately about uh, on the telephone, about 18 years old. B.B. was doing a show that night, and I was working that Saturday afternoon, and uh, they were coming in, and he called me, and we did an interview with him, letting folks know that he was going to be at the Club Raven, and, uh, you know, that was that was an honor. I also had the uh, privilege of meeting uh, Mavis Staples, Shirley Caesar, 
Well, I heard that Beaumont was was popping. Charlton Pollard neighborhood, Club Raven, Cheney's Auditorium, and I know that a lot of artists would come through this area, and K-Jet was a place for those artists to go because they wanted people to come to their shows. Exactly. Tell me about a typical night at one of these venues and meeting the artists and what that was like. I, I just like to say, I really don't know because I met them all. It, Tina Turner, you know, I, I had the opportunity of uh, I, booking her myself along with Roy Bruce out of uh, Port Arthur and uh, Clifton White. It's it's just awesome for me to sit back and re, really, you know, relate and think about it. It's, it's just so much to uh, come about and you just have to accept it. I enjoyed it uh, and if I had to go through it again, I would, you know, I would live the same life. I enjoyed uh, what I did, and I appreciated what I did. And as I said, I think it uh, helped mold me into a man that I am. Seven, eight, nine, three, Bobby Bird, everybody, on the heavyweight side of so the Willie K Show in progress, a sign of success. The man want to feel it. He needs help. This is swinging soul control. Do you miss radio? If I sat here and said I didn't, I would be lying. Uh, when when I was terminated back in November, October rather, October 13, 1977, I left radio alone. I never entered a radio station until this 105 came along. I stayed away from it for a long time, even though I still love it. Now, to be honest with you, if a station came into play today, like not as as, as uh, the comedian would say, I mean, rat now, R-A-T now, you know, and offered me a job and told me that, hey, we sit down, we talk about what it would take for me to uh, get back in radio. As long as you don't try and format me, I'm okay. Give me, tell me what you expect of me. And I'll get by. I would get back in radio, and I think I can probably start where I left off at. I think I could just like I'd never been out, and I would be probably well, and not probably I would be the longest radio personality in the city of Beaumont had that not happened, because all of the guys that I came up with, they're deceased: Boy Brown, Cal Weaver, King Arthur, there is Whitney Nelson. The, Lynn Simon's father, uh, Leo Simon, uh, Wild Bill Harris, uh, which was on uh, one of the white radio stations. They gave him 15 minutes or 30 minutes or something a night when he'd come on and capture the uh, the crowd. Then, but I would still, I would still be in radio, and I would probably have the title of being the oldest, well, the longest living jock. Cal Caldwell, we all were. In there together, you know, all those shots. They they came along. I can't remember all the others' name that uh, was over there with uh, Caldwell. There were about 16 stations in the Beaumont market. Of those 16, only one was black formatted, and that didn't happen until 1953, 54. So we had the city locked up. Beaumont population-wise was 33, 34% uh, black population. So with us being the only black station, attracting the black audience. There was no doubts about what we stood in the ratings. But so I'll, what did KJET mean to the black community here in Southeast Texas? It was everything. It was everything. I mean, it, it was when when news broke that was pertinent to blacks, 
we were there. We covered it. Uh, you know, we we weren't always covered by Enterprise and Journal and uh, the other radio stations, Kate and CV stations. But when KJET was there, they were the voice of the black population of Beaumont. Presented by Con's Big Appliance Stores. The prayer band of Ebenezer Baptist Church will meet in the home of Sister Ellie Higgs at 3350 on Wednesday, October 14th at 9 a.m. All members are invited and asked to bring a friend. The Order of Eastern Stars 80th anniversary will be held Sunday, October 18th, 2.30 p.m. at the Mount Rose Baptist Church, 1005 Gladys Street. All members are urged to attend. The Benjamin Singers will be singing at the Morning Star Baptist Church on October 18th at 3 p.m. This event is sponsored in behalf of the men's choir and the public is invited. We would do remotes at the various stores if a store opened and they wanted a crowd of people to come down and purchase and uh, patronize them. They went to Cage at first. Political, they always bought the big spots on Cage at trying to reach the black audience. So this station was a very important part of the community. It, it was it, it was a, it was their media. I'll put it like that. It was a media of. Uh, of the whole Beaumont. Well, not so much Beaumont, but the Golden Triangle, because KJET had a radiance of a thousand watts, which covered pretty close to a hundred miles, and we were none directional. We'd go all up in uh, Silsby, Coons, uh, Weirgate, Houston, uh, Lake Charles, we went as far as Lake Charles and Lafayette. So this was a sunrise to sunset radio station, correct? Sunrise to sunset to begin with. What does that mean exactly? That meant if the sun rose at uh, 5.15, we could sign on. And if it set at 5.20, we had to sign off. And in the summertime, you know, as the time schedule moves back, it gives you a little more time. But eventually, it finally came to a point whereas our regular sign-on would be 6 at KJET. And it was signed off at, uh, I think, 6. But then KJET uh, came in with a FM, KWIC, quick. It's still in operation. And then uh, we would just, we would go ahead and uh, we would simulcast with the two radio stations up to the time that we had to go. Then the next morning at 6 o'clock, quick, which was an FM, FM band, non-directional FM, which was very, very strong. And we would just sign, sign them off and then KJ took back over until 6 that evening and then they simulcast until... You know, the next uh, morning. Ladies and gentlemen, KJET proudly presents the Jet Set. From sight on till 10 a.m., it's Cal Weaver and the Cal Weaver Show. From 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., it's Boy Brown. From 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., it's the sound of heavyweight soul and the Willie K Show. From 6 p.m. to 12 midnight, it's KJET's Mild Chow, Babe Allen, and the Babe Allen Show. On Sundays, from sign on till 10 a.m., and from 6 p.m. to 12 midnight, it's Lee Calhoun and the Gospel Train. KJET, bringing you the Jet Set. You mentioned some names like Boy Brown and Cal Weaver. Tell me about the talent that you worked with there at KJ. I would put the group that stayed together for eight to ten years. I would 
pit us against any air personality. It doesn't make any difference to any of them that you could even think of. We we would be right there with them because they had some well. I mean, these guys were consummate pros. We were personalities. Now, if you'll notice, the trend of radio has gone to personalities. A good example of that. I know you're familiar with Joyner. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with Steve Harvey. Yes. You're familiar with Monique. And uh, I don't know, there's so many others out there, entertainers now that are going into syndicated radio. They're doing what we did back in the 50s. So it's come back around. Yes, exactly. But the only problem is, I won't say it's a problem. It might be a problem for some, but it's good for those guys that are syndicated because what's happening is that, whereas you had a jock for three or four hour shift on each uh, station, now if you're syndicated and you had 100 radio stations syndicating and you're moving a lot of guys uh, out, out of a job. You mentioned a show earlier, Solorama. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. So I was at a city council meeting a little while ago when they were honoring Boy Brown, the current mayor at the time, and some people on the council. She has some memories about this program. The mayor did. <laughs> the mayor and uh, the uh, one of the councilmen that just recently passed, uh, Pay W.L. Pay Jr. Yes. Yeah, there were several of them that uh, had the comments about it. Yes, we did touch them also. So, again, what you all were doing on KJET not only was for the black community, but it also crossed over. Oh, you'd be surprised. And, and we had uh, we had audiences all over. And, you know, there's a couple of sundown, uh, sunset cities around. And a lot of our listeners were from those particular areas. I mean, they kept the radio station on KJET. From Motown, the latest side, everybody, by Smokey Robinson, the Miracles, on the heavyweight side of soul, the Willie K Show in progress. The sound of success. The tears of a clock. What do you think people feel about KJet now? It's been gone for decades, and this iteration that you're speaking of, how do you feel Southeast Texas feels about those memories in the past? Like I said, I've been out about 40, 45 years, but on the radio. There's very seldom, well, I, I never have been able to go out into the public, especially at gatherings, and somebody or a lot of bodies don't rush me, and, and they still know me. They knew the cage at this jock is. It's, it's just been an honor to even just be a part of it. So you asked me a little while ago about Solarama. Solarama was a jewel. Solarama was sponsored by Zales Jewelers. On Sunday afternoon, I did a live radio show from the studio. We had a studio with a picture window. And I would have anywhere from uh, 200 to 400 uh, kids in there. They'd have to stop letting them in. And they had to have had to be a member. I was president of the club. Uh, you know, and they charged, uh, I think it was 50 cents or something like that for them to come down. But there was a lot of kids there. And I, I've had some of them to tell me they're grown now. Say, oh, I caught a many whippings about uh, being at KJET on Sundays. I say, why well, did they say? Because you called my name or somebody called their name. And, you know, and the mother had told them, her father told them they couldn't go. But they came anyway. That's how awesome it was. It was it was magnet. It would just draw you. And you took that whipping with her. You know, you knew you were going to get a whipping. 
but you took it anyway because it was worth the good time. There you go. And mingle with all of your classmates, I mean, and school kids. It, we, had, we had kids coming uh, all the way from uh, Dayton, Liberty, uh, Smith Bluff, Kuntz, uh, Sealsby. Uh, they, they were all around. Thank you for sharing radio history that people may not be aware of and how instrumental KJIP was. I'm sure a lot of people listen to the radio station in this area now and may not know the influence that this station has had on the community and stations that followed throughout the year. Lavinia Bush, she's got it and she's got it bad because your love is all over me. So ready this week, number 38 on the Chat Set of Soul. Thank you, Willie Knighton, for joining us on Bayou Land. Incidentally, most people know me as Willie K. Gordon. Willie K. Yeah, Willie K. Knighton, the ninth one of the world. Sweet Willie, I mean, I got so many. <laughs> yeah. See, I knew I was just getting you warmed up because he is coming now. I I hear the radio voice. I'm hearing the personality. It is there. Yeah, the Astrodome was the eighth and I was the ninth. I just never patented. I started to patent it one time and I said, well, I'm going to leave that alone. Thanks to our guest contributor, Gordon Scott Williams, for sharing his interview with former K-Jet disc jockey Willie K. Knighton. Knighton was also featured in the recent documentary, They Will Talk About Us, The Charlton Pollard Story. Produced by LUTV Productions, the documentary chronicles the origins of the oldest black neighborhood in Beaumont, Texas. If you enjoy the conversation shared in this podcast, please remember to share and subscribe to Bayou Lands Talks wherever you find your podcasts. You can also listen on the NPR One app along with other podcast offerings from KVLU. And join us on social media at 91.3 KVLU Public Radio on Facebook and Bayou Lands on Instagram. Bayou Lands Talks is produced in the studios of 91.3 KVLU in Beaumont, Texas, by Shannon Harris and Jason M. Miller. Thanks for listening.